Welcome to the podcast. I'm Rick Thomas. This is your Daily Drive. I want to get right into it. I have a lot to say today, so I'm going to forego my normal preamble ramble. And I want to talk about this very important podcast. The title of the podcast is An Appeal from a Former Sovereign Grace Ministries Pastor. That would be me. I wrote this piece seven years ago, and I'm republishing it today with a few edits since the events of this sad saga continue to unfold. I was part of Sovereign Grace Ministries from 2003 to 2008. We planted the church here in Greenville, South Carolina. There were five families that started the church before there was a church, and then we launched the church on August the 3rd, 2003. I served in that church till 2008, and then we left in December of 2008. So a little more than five years, we were part of Sovereign Grace Ministries, and for four of those years, I served as an associate pastor. There's been a lot of controversy with Sovereign Grace Ministries, and again, as I said, I, I wrote this article, and you can read everything I'm going to share with you. I'm going to give more commentary in this podcast than what is in the article, but if you want to, you can read the article, and there's also additional links if you want to do more research in the things that I am sharing. But the reason I wrote the article is because of the systemic abuse, the authoritarian abuse uh, that also, as it come to find out that there was sexual abuse going on, multiple counts of it that has been uh, substantiated and reported nationally and internationally for many years now. And of course, C.J. Mahaney, who led Sovereign Grace Ministries and still does, uh, was at the epicenter of all of this. Uh, since then, uh, Sovereign Grace Ministries imploded around 2010. Uh, through a lot of, well, there's several reasons for it, but a lot of things happened as far as exposure was concerned. And then he left Sovereign Grace or left Covenant Life Church, the church where he pastored, and moved to Louisville. And they he had been becoming fast friends with Al Moeller and Ligon Duncan and Mark Dever and John MacArthur and a whole bunch of other what we call celebrity pastors. And during this time, there was this scandal that was unfolding. The reason I'm doing this podcast now and republishing this article uh, that I wrote seven years ago is because yesterday Al Moeller admitted uh, that he knew about uh, the, the allegations against C.J. Mahaney, but uh, did virtually nothing about them. And actually, he did something about them. He doubled down on his friendship and even made some snarky comments about the uh, scandal, uh, which really infuriated a lot of people. And he did apologize for that yesterday, and there's a link here to the article where Al uh, did apologize, and he did say he was wrong. And the reason that I'm doing this podcast, because quite honestly, his apology, uh, I am thankful that God is exposing this after all of these years. I have been following Sovereign Grace Ministry now for 16 years and very much in, involved in, in fact, I know a lot of the players uh, in this drama. Some of them I know better than others. I met many of them. But the thing with Al's uh, apology is that it just, quite frankly, well, first of all, it's, it, in a sense, it's too late, and it does ring hollow. 
But the real problem is, and I teach this with our mastermind students as you're learning counseling, is that whenever a counselee confesses only up to where public awareness is, you want to be careful. Uh, not suspicious necessarily, but you want to be discerning about the apology or about the confession. I'll only apologize for things that everybody knew and everybody has known for many years. But what Al didn't do is he didn't go beyond what we all know. It wasn't really confessional in that sense. And what you look for, one of the things that you look for when a person is, is truly repentant is that they are sharing more information than you are aware of. They're not just sharing the things that everybody knows. And I think that is critical. But when I read uh, the article where Al had made some of these admissions, uh, I was glad, I am glad, I am thankful that God is exposing this, but also find it infuriating uh, because this has gone on way too long. And these celebrity leaders, one, one of my students wrote in and said, well, how do you know uh, that these uh, celebrity leaders are uh, are aware of this, and I'm thinking it is virtually impossible for them not to know. Imagine uh, we have 20-something people involved in our mastermind team, from supervising down to students and a few graduates, and imagine that there was a, a person who was accused of, of covering up sexual abuse, and it, there have been thousands of documents, thousands of pages of information that has been put out. There have been investigations. There have been hundreds of thousands of likes and tweets and comments made over a 10-year a period of time. And it was an individual within our, let's say, 25-member team do you, do, you, do you believe, do you believe that, that all 24 or any, any of those 24 people, they were not aware of what was going on? That is dumb. That is foolish. It is ignorant. They knew exactly what the accusations were. They knew exactly what the allegations were, and they chose to do nothing about it. But not only them uh, not... Uh, saying anything about it, all of these celebrity uh, pastors, they have an entourage. They have people who, who look after them. So let's say that 24 people in our mastermind team each has 10 people that are looking after them, that, are, uh, that have a public awareness of what's going on in evangelicalism. Are you to tell me that, that these, this group of people surrounding C.J. Mahaney has no clue about what's going on? That is preposterous. But they have not only have chosen uh, to double down and to support this man, but they have gone beyond that to mocking uh, those who are uh, against or who are speaking up discrediting those who are speaking up. And it is just absolutely infuriating uh, that all this has happened. And so now Al is getting up and he is apologizing up to what the public awareness of this matter is. And 
Again, I'm thankful that it is being exposed, but there is much more. The confession has to go beyond and, and these celebrity pastors need to step up and, and do similarly, not just confess what they know, but, but come completely clean with this, this problem. Now, eventually, uh, a member of CJ's church in Covenant Life, when he was leading Covenant Life at that time, uh, they had a predator, a sexual predator, who was later convicted in 2014. He received a 40-year prison sentence, and that's just one data point out of hundreds upon hundreds of allegations. And so we know that this is legitimate. Now, on top of all of this, there have been numerous scandals that have uh, come out uh, that is part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And then just this week, in February of 2019, James, James McDonnell, uh, who is over a multi-thousand member denomination, for lack of a better word, was fired for abuse and other things. Here's my point. We cannot continue to ignore this giant log in our evangelical eyes. I want to share with you a story. I want you to listen to my story. It's not original with me, but it's a good story to illustrate my point. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among he, he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance, the priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. What a Samaritan. As he journeyed, he came to where he was, and he saw him, and he had compassion he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. As you know, that's Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Now, I don't want any of us to get all wrangled up in the use of my word robbers in this story. That's not an overt or even a backhanded way of describing Sovereign Grace Ministries. They are my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, and I love them, and I, I do. The point of this story is the fellow who is hurting and the one who helped the person who is hurting. You can talk forever about how he got hurt, why he was hurt, who abused him, or whether or not he should have been going down that road. Those are tertiary matters. Those are things worth another discussion at another time. But the primary point of the story is that somebody is hurting. It is legitimate. It is verified. It is documented. There are thousands of pages that support this. And even if you removed half of all those pages, it is true. 
and another person chose to help this victim. Jesus' illustration is a picture of the gospel. The main thing, which for all of you who are familiar with Sovereign Grace Ministries, is the thing that they trumpet so loudly. And it saddens me that this mess about Sovereign Grace Ministries is in the public domain as well as the gnat straining about how we should address and respond to our public laundry. It also saddens me that one of the main reasons it continues in the public space is because the arguments have been mostly about the gnats and not the big fat camel in the tent. And what I'm talking about here is the mocking that Al Mohler did for those disgruntled people, uh, what, how Sovereign Grace has responded to them, uh, it's all about, well, we shouldn't be talking about these things, or they have a bad attitude, or they're not saying it the right way. That has become the talking point, the gnat straining. The great big point that keeps getting marginalized is the hundreds of individuals who are the victims of sexual abuse. This proven reality is undeniable, and they continue to hurt. A man is down and the body of Christ is skirting around this broken individual while fighting about the secondary issue of ethics. When the stories begin to hit the public domain, some of our more profile evangelical caretakers warned us about participating in something we don't know anything about or have limited facts. And I have a link here to his blog post where he was telling us to mind our own business. These brothers are presumed gatekeepers for the evangelical community. To whom the Lord gives a large platform, the more the Lord requires of thee. This mandate is to not speak to the hurting. That's what they were telling us. While telling us to keep out of the sovereign grace affair. It was very clear. Stay away. It's none of your business. That should not be the role of celebrity good neighbors who can shepherd many more sheep than the regular guy. And while I don't altogether condone the process of how things got to where they are or the side issues that are involved, the fact remains there are hundreds of victims of sexual abuse. And many of our leaders are ignoring it or warning us to pass by on the other side because these damaged souls are not our concern. Now, perhaps you were not involved in the Sovereign Grace Ministry's mess. Guess what? You are now. You are walking down the street, minding your own business. Good for you. I get that. Then there was a car wreck. Do you keep walking? As a Christian, do you keep walking? Do you ignore it? No. Here's what you do. You pull out your phone. You start recording. You take pictures. You tap your Waze app. I love my Waze app. It's, a, it's like Google Maps, but better in my opinion. Or you text somebody. That's what caring people do. God's fame is at stake as well as a lot of hurting people. Nobody has ever refuted or denied the sexual abuse allegations. They're not saying it didn't happen. They're just saying we're not guilty. 
You cannot ignore this pandemic problem in our body any longer. Some ignorant people want to call it a family squabble, which is right in the most profound way. It is God's family, and we are all in it. If the evangelical power brokers had not ignored it in the first place, it would have never made it to the greater family of God. To continue to ignore it is not the answer. We all should have learned that lesson the first time the sweepers came out to hide it under the rug. And while I have much respect for many of our celebrity leaders, I do not understand their disengagement as pastors, as pastors, pastoral shepherds who should be shepherding the sheep. Too much is given. There is much required The primary group of people in this story are the hurting and the angry. This group I do understand on two levels. I was one of them. I was not sexually abused, but I was abused in traumatic ways. Traumatic. You could say dramatic. But the second point, not only was I one of them, but I help these hurting souls every week of my life. This is what I do. This is what God calls me to do, and that's why it's so visceral right now, because I care for the underdog. I care for the hurting soul. Now, no doubt this group, at least some of its members are sinning. Some of them have acknowledged this struggle, and they have owned their uh, sin, and that is right and biblical. I'm not going to say that all of their anger is righteous, though a lot of it is. Some of it is unrighteous. But unfortunately, when most of the folks on the other side of the fence talk about this victim group, it is their attitudes that generate most of the attention, and that's what they want to draw attention to. Though all of them do not have bad attitudes, some of them do. But it's not the main point. They are hurting in ways that most of us cannot comprehend. Every counselor who has ever counseled the hurting understands this dilemma. It comes with the territory when evil people victimize fallen people. Sadly, when someone victimizes a person, there is a temptation to sin in return. Before we all elevate ourselves as to, well, I've never done that. Let me ask you this. Have you ever sinned back when someone sinned against you? We're all guilty of this. Every blooming one of us, especially me, because I know my fallen tendencies better than I know yours. I would never condone my sin And I don't condone their sin, but I do understand the tension. When a person is hurting, more than likely they will respond sinfully when a person is hurting. In such cases, I listen to them. I'm trying to discern what's going on inside of them. I want to hear their real story. I want to hear the the hurt, not the sin that's coming out of their mouths. I want to help them in the moment they are hurting, in time In time, after a period of time, after these victims know that you hear them 
and they are experiencing your help while on the road to healing, perhaps you can begin to address their secondary sinful reactions. But if you rebuke them or marginalize them because they, they didn't say it the way you wanted them to say it, they didn't use the right words, they stumbled in their presentation, if that's what you focused on, you would never be able to help them. Those of you people who talk about the sinful attitudes of these victims, have you ever counseled anyone? Ever? Do you disciple people? You know hurting people struggle imperfectly, but you are to restore them in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. These folks are hurting. It took me two years to work through the abuse that I went through with Sovereign Grace Ministries. It hurt, and they had no desire to help me. Their main concern, and this is in their DNA, it is baked into their DNA. Their main concern was controlling the narrative. They always want to, and I'll put this in quotation marks, they always want to protect the flock regardless of what they do to those who won't lockstep with them. Therefore, when anyone ever leaves the church, there are always two narratives. There's the presentation narrative, and there is the real story. I was a Sovereign Grace pastor. I've seen it scores of times. For us, Rick and Lucia, it was God and I time alone. Lucia and I uh, cried privately as we slowly put our lives back together. And I sinned many times. It's not a boast, but a confession from a fallen man who was hurt by fallen men. It would have been nice if someone had the grace and the courage to work with me, to break through these invisible barriers that they perceived to help me to overcome my sin and my hurt, but they did not. One of the things that I learned while pastoring in a Sovereign Grace church was that if someone comes to you imperfectly, you should have the grace to hear the critique more than the flawed approach from the person who brought you the analysis. Now, ironically, it was C.J. Mahaney who taught us that nugget of wisdom. My friends, there is a critique that is being brought imperfectly to Sovereign Grace Ministries. But they and their friends are mainly ignoring it. Be quiet. Keep quiet. Stay out of it. Up to now, Mahaney's buddies have been mostly frustratingly quiet, except for telling us to mind our own business, telling victims to shut up or ignoring them while they suffer that will only motivate them to speak more loudly and more boldly. For years, uh, four years ago, I happened to listen to an audio version of a family meeting. I put that in quotation marks, family meeting that a Sovereign Grace pastor gave to his church two years earlier. He told a couple of lies. As I was listening to the audio tape, it's like, that's a lie and that's a lie. 
And by the way, I know him, and I also know that's not the first time that he had lied to his congregation. He has a knack for twisting the truth into clever presentations, which is his way of controlling the narrative for the church. I talked about this with another Sovereign Grace pastor who was in the meeting, and he agreed with me. And then he said, the pastor would not agree with the assessment. He would not see it that way. He did lie, though, end quote. My friend was right. These leaders remind me of institutionalized convicts. They have been in the system for so long that they cannot see it any other way. You need to understand what I'm saying here. They believe that they are right in their own eyes. It does remind you of the last verse of Judges. There was no king in the land. There is no authority or the authority that they have is authoritarian and has trained them to think one way. It's the only way they can think. I was this way when I was part of their ministry. Mercifully, God took me out of that and I had a a brain cleanse and I began to see of what I had become while I was part of that ministry. It reminds me of my brother who was an institutionalized convict, for real. He could only live on the inside, in prison. Each time he got out, he got out three times. Two times he went back in. The third time he was murdered. But each time he got out, he would purposely do something to go back. He could not function on the outside. The world for him was the prison which is where he chose to live. This lying Sovereign Grace Ministries pastor told me one time, he used to say this often, we're the only game in town. That was a private conversation. That was a behind-the-scenes comment. Publicly, I've heard him say this many times too, we're not the only game in town. That was the narrative that he spun. He would never see the deceitful habituation but he cannot drink from any other fountain. There is only one way for him to believe is the Sovereign Grace Ministry's way. Many Sovereign Grace Ministry leaders have willingly placed themselves in their hermetically sealed system. They have been there for so long they cannot see anything else. They are institutionalized. I'm not rationalizing their sin away. If you have been hurt by these pastors, where, whether it's sexual abuse or spiritual abuse, I'm not rationalizing their sin away, but I do want you to know this perspective that I'm sharing with you. As a sovereign grace pastor, former pastor, perhaps it will break your heart for them. Perhaps it will motivate you to pray for them. More importantly, perhaps they will care more about God's fame than their reputations, and even more urgent than all of these things. Maybe the victims of the abuse can find a fuller restoration in our Savior. Dear God, would you, would you bring it all out in the light? Bring it all. Let's, let's do this right. Let's don't give semi-confessions. Let's don't confess just what everybody else knows, but may they be full confessions of everything that was done so that we can repent. God, call us to repentance for the sake of Christ. We have men, women, and children who are hurting. If you have any influence whatsoever, will you speak up? Speak up graciously. 
speak up directly, speak up clearly. Don't be ambiguous. Don't waver. You don't have to be mean about it, but be clear. Our public laundry is public laundry now. Will you ask questions? Will you talk to the victims? Will you talk to the advocates for the victims? Will you listen to the stories? Will you listen to the real story? For the moment, will you look beyond their presentation for those who don't present it well enough for you? But will you hear the hurt that's coming out of their hearts? Will you bring the sides together if you are able? Will you make a comprehensive public accounting of the conclusions that you come to? May we heal. If you want to talk to me about this, you're welcome to do this. We have community forums. We have private forums. You can uh, discuss this article with me. I would love to do that. If you are struggling, if there's any way that, you can, if, that we can serve you, we would uh, love to do that. But if you know somebody who's hurting, somebody who's confused, the Sovereign Grace way is to create a culture of fear. And it's what they do. They talk about gossip all the time. And, and what it does is that it just shuts people down. It doesn't give them avenues to communicate. And everything, any kind of communication that is negative is sinful. But if we can't talk about what's wrong with us, we will never get help. And so if you need somebody to talk to, if you need to work through something, if you're being spiritually abused, sexually abused, uh, please contact us. Let us help you. Let us connect you with the right people. But if you are hurting, you are hurting and you need help. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, the title of the article. You can read an appeal from a Sovereign Grace Ministries pastor. Thank you for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.